Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Nino, 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 Nino. Stop that. It's another one. It's, it's another emergency. It's an emergency. This is an emergency episode, our second emergency episode, and you're listening to this because something bad has happened. Yeah. There's... Render does unable to record a podcast this week. So last time it was Roadworks, it was too noisy to record, so it might be something quite fairly innocuous like that. Nah, that's not exciting enough, is it? Let's Sinkhole. Ooh, it's sinkhole. sinkhole. That's a good shout. Yeah. yeah. Maybe Phil has roller booted his way off of a cliff. I <laughs> could have happened. Maybe, Maybe Chris's tattoos have gone septic. Oh, actually, that's the other thing I didn't tell you about those tattoos. One of them on my back. <laughs> There's a long distance between that being aired and this being aired. I've got yeah, yeah, the matter. People will look up the best of. Well, there might there might be <laughs> literally years between okay. that being. Okay, well, I've got this tattoo yeah. and on my back. I, I think it was done badly because it has no feeling. I doesn't feel anything, and sometimes what? it tingles. <laughs> what do you mean it has no feeling? It, I can't feel it. You have an emotionless tattoo. Yeah, it's just numb, which I think oh, is bad. That is but bad. it tingles sometimes, but it's usually when something's going on, like danger. Cry. No, that it yeah. does not tingle when there's something going on. It does. No, it you does. don't have one. Well, when does it, give me an example of a time when it when something's going on. Just when, uh, I don't know, uh, someone's talking about me. Oh, couldn't you have used this story on our last podcast that was really dull? <laughs> Sorry. Oh, yeah, this is awesome material. <laughs> uh, what are we? This is Wiki Shuffle. I'm Jack. I'm with Phil. Yes. And Chris. Hello. And this is an emergency episode because one of us has died or something like that. So let's just do a normal episode and pretend everything's okay. <laughs> things light for our emergency episode mm. yeah the lynching of the walker family oh always a lynching the lynching of the walker family happened in hickman fulton county kentucky on october 3rd 1908 at the hands of about 50 anonymous night riders night riders david hasselhoff and his crew 50 uh, of them 50 hasselhoffs and night riders kkk lynching I'm guessing, yeah. Probably, they love a good lynching, don't they? Clicking through on Knight Riders takes you straight through to the Ku Klux Klan. Oh, okay. Where does the name come from, Ku Klux Klan? I can't even say it. Dare I say it, it sounds a little foreign. (laughs) (laughs) The name is probably derived from the Greek word kuklos, meaning circle. The first clan was founded in Pulaski, Tennessee, sometime between December 1865 and August 1866, by six former members of the Confederate Army. Oh, shit. As a fraternal social club inspired at least in part by the then largely defunct Sons of Malta, from which parts of the initiation ceremony were borrowed, ludicrous initiations, the baffling of public curiosity, and the amusement of members were the only objects of the clan. So they're into white nationalism, nativism, anti-immigration, anti-communism, Christian terrorism, (laughs) okay, uh, anti-Catholicism, anti-Semitism, 
homophobism, all the isms, Christian identity, fascism and Nazism. As an instant no on Tinder. As a definite no swipe. <laughs> those are your interests. You would swipe left for them. Left, right? I, don't, I can't remember which way around it is. The no one. Well, on principle, if you're not going to show your full face, then you're not going to get a <laughs> yeah, swipe, are you? If, if a girl only had maybe two of those on her list... If it was like, I like cups of tea, I like riding my horse, I like um, anti-Semitism, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, um, I'm a neo-Nazi, would you be like, oh, well, there's some good bits about her? No, I don't like horses. <laughs> <laughs> but they enjoy riding their horses, so you can't be a member of the KKK. You start <laughs> your they're own racist one. horses, I don't like them. Because the horses are racist as well. Do you think the horses are racist? Of course they are. Horses are racist. Not all of them, these ones. The they're co- association. <laughs> Do you think horses have the capability to be racist? Yes. Racist horses, that's fine. It's not fine. Well, it's not fine, it's very red, not fine. But I'm just saying, those horses are racist because they're ridden by racists. Are you saying that they wouldn't accept food from a person of colour? Maybe. It's feasible. I could see... Uh-huh. See? I could see animals being conditioned yeah. in that way. People train their dogs to do all sorts of shit. yeah. They could be trained, but I don't think it's natural. There's no, saying it's natural. It's not natural to be racist. Of, that's true of humans right, as go, well. Google or ask Jeeves, can you train horses to be racist? <laughs> but why would you need to? When you train a police dog. <laughs> why would you need to be racist? <laughs> yeah. Racism is not a necessity thing. <laughs> yeah, but if you are a racist, if that's what, you know, if that's inherent within yourself... Why do you need your horse to also be racist? Why can't you just ride the horse? So it's the best horse that it can be for the job. What in job? this case is being racist. No, they're just transporting racists to racist things. But why do they need to be racist for that? I mean, I'm not saying they need to be, I'm just saying they are. I've partially typed this query into Google. Can you train horses? And it gives me the options. In Minecraft is the top one. Mm-hmm. Like a dog. In Minecraft, this is just things that you've Googled previously. <laughs> <laughs> I never have. <laughs> <laughs> Horses in Minecraft, FAQ. God damn it. Phil's written the, the game FAQs post on, <laughs> on Horses in Minecraft. Yeah, go on, Phil. Not to buck and to remember pictures are the other ones that Google thinks yeah. I might want. To it's... remember pictures. Not not, not to memorise or, you know, be able to po- point out them. Just to remember them. To remember, you remember that too? Oh, <laughs> oh horsey, you remember that picture? <laughs> yeah. Do you remember that picture? No. <laughs> so could you then train a horse to be anti-racist? Yes. Do you think you could train a horse to look at, a, like, someone with a skinhead and maybe a, a swastika tattoo? Yeah. And you, do you think the horse could take them down? Yeah, or it would maybe not take them down, but it would be frightened of them. I don't know if you can train them to be aggressive. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can breed killer horses. But I suppose in fighting in olden times, like on the King Arthur time, whatever, <laughs> <laughs> then yeah. those horses, they were fighting horses, because they got right in there. When Mel Gibson was out, like a brave hat, they were fighting horses. Yeah, but you know, they, they might have been racist as well, because racist against the English, or vice versa, depending on which side they were on, because they wouldn't be friends, would they? Because they were running towards each other. Um, Do you think any animal could be trained to be racist? Um, I don't know. Snail. I don't think you can train a snail no. to do anything. Could train it to slime. I found a post. This is relevant. Mm-hmm. Someone's asked, are horses racist? No, they haven't. They can. I'm reading it. It's on Yahoo Answers, isn't it? No, it's on Stockyard, which I imagine is a, I don't know, a forum for horse fans. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a rude one. No, I think it's just about general questions about horses. But this question is... Are horses racist? Not sure if racist is the right term, but I'm curious as anyone has noticed if their horses prefer to stick to their own type. <laughs> on our way back from somewhere on Sunday, we stopped to pick up my mare and bring her home. 
Yesterday, I put her in the paddock with the broodmare band. Don't know what that means. I thought I would keep her receipts together, so it was all good, whatever. Anyway, so all this horse lingo. Anyway, she was highly offended and very much out of her element. She kept fence walking and pushing at the gate and even called to us. Just, you've got a much bigger problem than if it's racist. She seemed horrified we put it in the same paddock. And then I'll see what anyone said. What does a horrified horse look like? They always look horrified because they've got such big eyes, so I don't know. <laughs> yes, grey Arabs stick with grey Arabs. I'm just going to check this is. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's just that's a breed of horse. horse. Rather than, yeah, this is just, oh yeah, this is just horses. Just checking in case I've accidentally stumbled on something else. Chicky would rather hang with a herd of cows. Very what? progressive horse. Yeah. I found a story from the Evening Standard from last year. Man rode horse into train station, launched into racist tirade and threatens to whip staff. Racist mm. horse. A man on horseback charged into a station booking hall before racially abusing staff and threatening them with a riding crop, the British Transport Police has said. The force said the man became abusive when he was challenged as he tried to ride his steed to the platforms at Windsor and Eton Riverside Station, just west of London. Today, police released an image of a man on a horse they wish to speak to in connection with their investigation into the January 4th incident. Detective Constable Rod Harbron said, at approximately 3pm, a man on horseback rode into the booking hall and headed towards the platform. When challenged by a member of staff, he racially abused them and threatens to assault them with a riding crop. A busy railway station is no place for horses, and rail, <laughs> operat- and rail operators have every right to refuse access to people with animals under the ra- railway bylaws. The member of staff was just doing their job, and racial abuse and threats will not be tolerated. Hmm. See, maybe that wasn't a racist horse because it was just, it was just. What do you mean, maybe? Of course, it wasn't a racist horse. Well, no, that one wasn't like a, a gang of racist horses. This one was just the man who owned the horse happened to be racist and. And that horse was really embarrassed by the whole thing, probably. There's two different things going on here. There's horses that are racist towards humans. Yeah. And there's horses that are racist towards other horses. Mm-hmm. And then there are horses that are just being ridden by racists. Yes. <laughs> Which, going back to the Evening Standard story just briefly, there's a picture of this guy on a horse. It's the tiniest horse I've ever seen in my life. He's riding some sort of Shetland pony. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Not okay, racist man. Where did you get that pony from? Anyway, let's put gaiety to one side because we're going to talk about a particularly horrible incident from America's past. There was no gaiety. We were talking about serious horse racists. Back to the events of the lynching of the Walker family. After patriarch David Walker refused to come out of his house, the lynch mob poured coal oil on his house and lit it afire. After Walker tried to plead for the safety of him and his family, he walked outside and his body was riddled with bullets. The same thing happened when David Walker's wife came outside holding a baby in her arms. She held in her arms their infant child and begged the night Riders for mercy. Disregarding her pleadings, the infuriated mob opened fire and a bullet pierced the body of an infant in his mother's arms. A second shot struck the mother in the abdomen and she fell, still holding the dead body of her infant. When the three children came out, they were met with the same same fate. Walker's eldest son, however, refused to leave the burning log cabin house. Small As, kid. Well, not really, because he's in a burning house, so... Yeah, but don't give him the satisfaction. I'd rather burn to death. I'd rather live amongst civilised human beings, given the choice. Well, it's lucky you weren't born in 1908. If I was born in 1908, I'd have been absolutely fine. That's what's so horrific about the whole damn thing. Mm. As the Courier-Journal noted, there is hardly a doubt, but the oldest son of Walker preferred death by burning rather than to place himself at the mercy of the mob, and it is probable that his charred body will be found among the debris. 
The reasons for the lynching are not clear, although there's two possibilities. The Fulton County Knight Riders justified their murders because David Walker had swore at a white woman. The other possible reason was that Walker had a bad reputation and was a surly Negro. That's not a quote, by the way, listeners. That's just Phil's opinion. That was very much a quote. Um, so, I mean, if you're going to be like this, you're not a rational and logical mm. person anyway, but shooting a baby because someone swore at a white woman. It's just not on, is it? To rile people up to that extent that they're capable of doing that is a mm. terrifying thing that humans can be made to do. In 1908 isn't even like that long ago when you put things in perspective. When did the Titanic sink? Wasn't that 19... 1912. Yeah, so we're talking around that sort of time. Mm-hmm. That's how I can sort of... Yeah, but uh, like this is in Kentucky and, and I feel like... The, the states were further behind at that point, mm. in in rural areas anyway, because that is sort of Wild West sort of time. Is it? Yeah. It's more recently yeah. than you think. I mean, this is past um, the emancipation of the slaves, so they're free men, but... Not really. Not really. It's just one of those periods in history that I can't really place. Because it was so far removed from what was going on here, mm. uh, and we would like to hope that we were a tad more civilised than that. But the British. Um, by 1908, <laughs> yeah, we were still in India then, weren't we? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, never mind. Ta- yeah, take that back. Ignore that. <laughs> we're no better than the rest of them. The governor, Augustus E. Wilson, denounced the Knight Riders for the lynching of David Walker and his family in Hickman. Wilson said, if two or three men had gone to this poor cabin and murdered his family, the crime would have shocked humanity with its revelation of the incredible weakness, brutality and dastardly cowardice. That a larger number, some 50 men, joined in such a crime, multiplies its cowardliness and wickedness 50-fold and makes every member of the band guilty of murder in the first degree. Wilson took the lynching of the Walker family as an outgrowth and the logical results of the toleration of Knight Riders' crimes in the state. It is only one step removed from civil war. Augustus offered a $500 reward for the arrest and conviction of any Knight Rider who participated in the Walker family lynching. Wilson also urged law-abiding citizens to defend themselves, promising a governor's pardon to anyone who shot and killed a Knight Rider. David Walker, his wife and five children perished at the hands of the Knight Riders on that October night and nobody was prosecuted mm. for the crime. Mm. It makes you wonder, because like you say, it's not a very long time ago no. now. It was especially not a long time ago in the early 1980s when they commissioned the TV show Knight Rider, almost as <laughs> if they maybe should have looked at their own history a little bit and decided that wasn't the most appropriate name. Yeah. With a K, though. Yeah, so it's fine. All right, then. We'll don't, let worry, don't worry about it. We'll let Hasselhoff off. Hasselhoffs. Hasselhoff. 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 Mm. Sorry. <laughs> TAPS. T-A-P-S. TAPS. What does that stand for? The Atlantic Paranormal Society. Mm. The Atlantic Paranormal Society is an organisation that investigates reported paranormal activity. Based in Warwick, Rhode Island, TAPS was founded in 1990 by Jason Hawes and Grant Wilson. In 2004, the organisation itself became the subject of Ghost Hunters, a popular weekly American paranormal reality television series on the Sci-Fi Channel. The show is currently airing in its 10th season on Sci-Fi in the US. The show aired in the UK for nine months after the US premiere on Living It. Living It. That's a good name for a channel. I don't remember that channel. What does it mean? Living? Living's a channel for mums. Oh, right. Oh, that living, right. 
but then Living It must have been like their, their cool spin off one where they put the stuff about ghosts on. Oh, like um, Teenage Mums. <laughs> and yeah, and like crossing over with that guy. Turn down there. On this episode of Ghost Hunters. Holly Hill Estate. You got two residential homes side by side, owned by the same family, and there's been activity at both properties. And they're concerned for the safety of the kids. I did feel threatened, but I actually kind of braced for impact because I felt like I was about to be hit. Why are you pulling on the sheets? Why are you slamming doors? Sam, what the heck? It's rumored that there are 11 spirits that inhabit the house, ranging from an old sea captain to a little girl by the name of Lucy. I could see a little girl looking up at me. You could see hair sort of like floating. Lucy? Will you come talk to us? Cheer that. No! Oh, who's in here with us? They're, they're all shysters. They're all deluded fools. In 1990, Hawes began the Rhode Island Paranormal Society after having a personal experience with spirits. Mm. Did he, though? Did he? No, he didn't. After Rips began investigating cases throughout the New England area, Jason met up with Grant Wilson in 1995, and they renamed it the Atlantic Paranormal Society. Rips is better than Taps. Probably is, isn't it? That sounds cooler. What was the name of the guy in Ghostwatch? Pipes. Pipes, yeah. Pipes and Taps, that works together. It does. But Rips and Pipes doesn't. Mm, Good point. Rips and Pipes sounds more uh, Dickensian. Wilson had also had a personal experience. What are they? Neither man talks about it in public. You've had a personal experience. Yeah. We've already talked about the podcast, haven't we? Yeah, with with the Snickers. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you care to share any more? Have you had any more experiences since then? Um, No. I've got um, one of uh, my friends. She lived in a big house once and a ukulele flew out. She insisted it was real. It's Lauren. It's Lauren, yeah. (laughs) Only one person can have a ghostly experience with a ukulele. (laughs) (laughs) A ukulele was thrown at her. Yeah, by by mystical forces. Sweetest ghost alive. She is convinced and she will not take anything else other than... And she's not normally an idiot. She's not an idiot. Not normally. And this is... I think she... I believe her. You would. What have you got ghost story-wise? Nothing. None, exactly. No, not exactly. You put everything down to science. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't have any ghost stories. Yeah, you're the same. Everything's science, or everything's got I've heard, physics. I've or heard a lot of people chatting shit about ghosts, mm. but um, they don't exist, so everything's fine. I've been, I remember one time a friend and I, when I was about maybe 13, 12, 13, a friend and I, we were in the local woods. <laughs> And we both simultaneously got dead scared for no reason whatsoever. We didn't know what it was, but there was something that just made us feel really uneasy. Because you're in the woods at night? It wasn't at night, it was in the daytime. But we both simultaneously got really scared, and I don't want to be here, and he didn't want to be there. We both just legged it. But I don't think that was anything supernatural. But I could see how people could take that experience. There was something about the environment that we were in that was spooky. It was really quiet and there was probably some sort of resonant frequency going on in the echoes Mm -hmm. and something like that that was just put us on edge and that kicked in our fight or flight reactions. Yeah, like rabbits Unsurprisingly, yours was flight. Absolutely. Well, there was nothing to fight. What, were we supposed to just start fighting each other? Start punching trees? (laughs) What did you want us to fight exactly? I mean, I'm not saying I'm not a coward. Let's be very clear about that. If there was something to fight, I'd have just run away harder. But You've overcame that now. I suppose the LARPing helps. 
Yeah, you're in woods a lot. That's where you LARP. Yeah. In the woods. Have you done any urban LARPing? <laughs> <laughs> the idea of it. LARPing in a pret. <laughs> um, I do actually, I have a ghost story. Oh, I've, go on. I've I just dismissed it because it's obviously nonsense. But when I was 13, I was on a residential school trip and we're in France in some god-awful French shithole. Can't remember where exactly. You must have been there, Chris. France from um, Year 8. Yeah, yeah um, was. What did we do? We did like the Eiffel Tower and stuff. Oh, so we were fairly watch, near Paris. Um, uh, Armageddon on a bus. Yes. Yeah, I remember. Well, no, we watched... <laughs> I, I might not have been on that bus, but we watched something on the bus. Yeah, I, watched I think we watched Dante's Peak. <laughs> that's what we always watched at school for why, some why reason. Why did they show the two buses like disaster films? <laughs> to get the kids excited for their school trip. <laughs> anyway, so I'm in France and we're having dinner and it's in this big hall thing mm-hmm. and I looked outside and I swear to God, I saw a man standing there in full like Tudor garb with the big frilly thing around the neck. What's that called? You must know, Phil. Ruff. A ruff. <laughs> he had a big ruff and he was just stood there and I saw him and then I looked back and he was gone. Mm-hmm. And actually it was another experience in that hotel as well to be honest because we were on the room right at the very end of the the hotel and the taps went on during the night and we heard some stuff from the other side of the wall but there was no room on the other side of the wall so it must have been ghosts so you are believing so no there was a few things that made me feel on edge during that time but it's a load of bollocks isn't it who knows who knows there's no way a big why would a Tudor be in France anyway Get out. Maybe you just had a rough or he was visiting. Maybe you just had a rough. <laughs> that doesn't explain anything. <laughs> yeah, he had a rough. We've established that much. Yeah, why does he have to be a Tudor? I suppose, well, decided I suppose he's a Tudor. That yeah, I, didn't, I don't remember you being that good at history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to be honest, I'm pretty sure Ross are probably French, aren't they? <laughs> Maybe. Or you bought him with you. <gasps> you mean he just follows me around everywhere? Mm-hmm. In fact, there he is, right now. Are you saying that I, my whole, like, all the time I'm hanging out with some really, really old guy? Mm Mm-hmm, in a row. That's impossible to imagine, Phil. (laughs) (laughs) He may or may not be a Tudor. (laughs) (sighs) Anyway, that's what I saw, but obviously I was mistaken. Overactive imagination of a 13-year-old boy. I wasn't wanking, I was thinking up ghosts. Mm. Why is it anything I remember from that residential watching Armageddon on a bus? (laughs) We went to a different country. (laughs) I remember the, um... The Eiffel Tower, and I remember thinking that Paris was an ungodly shithole. Because <laughs> it really is. At least through the eyes of a 13-year-old boy it was. My experiences of France were not good. Shantytown? It was like a big shantytown. I've never been to Paris specifically, but when I went on an exchange student, my, my exchange student partner was terrifying. In what way? Looking back with the knowledge that I have now, he definitely had Asperger's. I oh can, my god! I could, but the <laughs> <laughs> shit. But uh, you that, okay? are you okay? <laughs> I'm contextualizing. I'm not, and now mm. I'm going to tell the story. He didn't speak a word to me the entire time. Mm-hmm. Um, he's French. He didn't make any attempts to communicate. He's French. They lived in. I attempted to communicate with him, and I'm in English. English. <laughs> no, I tried in French. Yeah, right. They lived in a farmhouse in the middle of nowhere. I mean, literally the middle of nowhere. Mm. This lad, Matau, wouldn't say a word, wouldn't do anything. He would just leave me alone. And he had this trail bike that he was working on, except it was clearly never going to work ever again. It was just a shell that he was just kind of prodding at for hours on end. 
And it was really creepy in like this barn. <laughs> on my first day there, and none of the family spoke in English either, and my French was terrible. And the, his mother was really... <laughs> What's the idea of all this? This was just an exchange trip. Everyone else got lovely people to exchange with that they're still friends with now, probably. On the very first day of this exchange trip, the mum, who was very nice, took me by the hand and led me into a cave. <laughs> <laughs> It sounds like a fable. (laughs) Where did you touch it? It felt a lot like I had no idea what was going on. Into this cave, and it was really dark, but there was activity at the end of the cave, and it smelt really bad. It was really fusty and kind of rotten smelling. And I honestly thought that I was being taken to some kind of religious sect thing that was going on at the depths of this cave because she hadn't managed to explain what was going on. Do you think they were just like talking and in French a few hours before we got there and like oh what should we show Phil oh let's show him the cave that's cool kids love caves Uh but that is terrifying it was absolutely terrifying so they lead me down this channel and this stinking cave you went into it like you went far into the cave properly into the cave And then as you got further on, I could see that there was a light at the bottom at the end of this cave. It's like there's something going on down there. It's a very dull light, sort of like torch, sort of like candle light going on. And then there was clearly lots of people down there. And it's like, what the hell is happening here? Where am I being taken? Is this real? This is absolutely real. It sounds a lot like that film The Witch. How old are you here? So I'm... 14, 15 when this is, probably 14. And what, 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 who were the people? Yeah. So we get down to the end and it's kind of, there's all this smell everywhere. It's damp underfoot, the walls of this cave. It's a big cave that we're going in, but it's hewn right into the side of this mountain. So we're going down and we sort of turn around to the corner and then in where the light's coming from, there are these old French women. And I mean ancient, sort of like caricatures of old French women kind of huddled over like hunchbacked this is a a witch's cave (laughs) this is what I was thinking and they're all doing something and I can't work out what they're doing because it's not quite light enough and the smell's weird and what they're doing is they're cutting the tops off of mushrooms And this was a big mushroom farm underneath the ground in the middle of this cave with these logical well exactly because there is no paranormal (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but we didn't know what the mushrooms were for. Well, they were for selling to French people. Or for magic voodoos. Possibly for magic voodoos, but it was a terrifying thing. I've never been so relieved by a mushroom. Didn't like it. That's it? really odd. But it's, it was strange. really weird, and it was proper terrifying at the time, because I had no idea where I was going or what was happening. No, I've never been led into a cave by a witch. Actually, no. They Sorry. tend to do... <laughs> Back to taps. Oh, yeah, Taps. The group was originally run out of Jason's basement and at the time consisted of only Jason and Grant. They pioneered investigative techniques that many other paranormal investigators use. Pioneered techniques? How? I mean, yeah, they use the... I mean, they're talking about the bullshit like the electromagnetic pulse stuff and all of that nonsense. So other people might use it, but... Is it an investigative technique if it never tells you anything of consequence? From my experience, watching, like, what's the one with you that feeling called again? It was ghost. Ghosty times. Ghost times, whatever. Haunted. Haunty. Most haunted. Haunty times with Derek Acora. Yeah, when this night vision's on and they got their little beepy tool. Uh, Yeah, is that what what they mean, isn't it? I guess that's what they mean. It's all very vague. But it just seems to be a phenomenon. Has Derek Acora been utreed yet? Maybe by the time this podcast is out. Maybe. Ooh, that's a fun game. Who's going to be a paedophile by the time this podcast is out? Oh, but what if they're not? That's yeah. a shame, isn't it? It's not predictions. It's not libel if you're just you can't. guessing. 
guessing that they might be a paedophile. Yeah. No, you can't do that. No, I'm not comfortable with that. You, you go, though. I know you, you're itching. Yeah. Get your list. <laughs> don't have a list. What celebrities have touched you? That um, I've never been touched yet. by... Well, I mean, I have, but not in an inappropriate way. I sat on Rio from Gladiator's knee. Rio? Hmm. <laughs> There's no one called There was, in the later version of Gladiator's. There was Rio. <laughs> there was. There was. There was a Rio. Was it Rio Ferdinand? No, I didn't have, No, Rio Ferdinand, no. When I was about seven, I sat on Duncan Goodhue's knee. Carry on with your thing. I don't know what my thing... I don't... I haven't, your thought, thing I haven't is, thought about this. Your thing is outing a bunch of people who you think might be paedophiles. I think a Cora... I know that, I mean, is, is it libel to say they might be? It's just speculation. Surely that's not libel. It could be defamatory, I would say. Okay, then I'd If you've I'd got retract, no evidence to back it up. I retract all of the things I've said. Not just about this, about everything. Just so I'm in the clear. But yeah. if you want to talk off air... I've got a big list of who, who's going to be the pedos. Taps publishes a monthly publication called Taps Para Magazine, also known as Taps Paramag, which features articles written by group members and information pertaining to the paranormal. Hawes stated in an interview on the sceptical podcast Audio Martini that the magazine is marketed primarily in an attempt to fund the Taps operation. The average issue is approximately 39 pages in length and in 2006 was marketed by offering a behind-the-scenes DVD of the show to new subscribers. That's very exciting. It's not. It's really dull. In April 2007, Beyond Reality Radio, a radio talk show that featured Taps co-founders and Ghost Hunters stars Jason Hawes and Grant Wilson began broadcasting on select radio stations in the New England area. On December the 1st, 2007, Taps released a video game in conjunction with Star Mountain Studios called Apparitions Red Reef Inn. Oh, that sounds exciting. God. Taps co-finder Grant Wilson claims that this game is just the start of larger efforts in the interactive media space for Taps in the future. Ugh, interactive media space. <laughs> Disgusting. We're in the interactive media space now. Yeah, but let's not say it out loud. Log on. Um, in January 2010, Taps and Star Mountain Studios released a hidden object game entitled Apparitions Cotsmine Hills. Taps sends a group of... Th so this is their methodology. So this is the science bit. Hold on science tight. bit. Taps sends a group of three to eight members to perform an eight to 16-hour investigation covering multiple nights, employing a number of infrared and digital video cameras, thermal camera devices, electromagnetic field detectors, digital thermometers, and other equipment throughout the site in question. While at a site, the members of the team often find common explanations for the claims of the occupants. In conclusion, the team will report on its findings and express their opinion that a site is haunted or not haunted. Not haunted. Not haunted. They distinguish themselves from other paranormal groups by going into a case by claiming they wish to disprove a haunting. TAPS does not charge their clients for the investigations or for consulting, which at least is something. Mm -hmm. Chris. Yeah. I know you like you, know, you like to have fun with all your Snickers and stuff and all that, you know, your ghost stories, but do you genuinely believe in ghosts? Well, no, because I haven't met any myself. But I'm just saying, I've not. I've got an open mind to everything. To most everything. Things, most things. Well, what about God? Do you believe in God? No. Do you flat out think there's no God and there's no chance? I don't. I, I think probably not. But if if he pops up one day, then I'll go. All right. I knew you were. I thought. Well, I thought to be honest with you, God, I thought you weren't real. That's what I'd say to him. Okay. If, if I go up there and he's there and says, look, off you pop, I say, well, this is a surprise. This is an interesting plot twist. <laughs> yeah. I, wasn't pop. I wasn't expecting this. Is he from Yorkshire? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I don't know where he'll be from. Space. Space. <laughs> 
Okay, all right. I just wanted to know if you actually did believe in them or not. No, I've, I think maybe. No, no, possibly. No, but you're willing to change your mind if you... If one comes in. I'm willing to change my mind. I'm more I'm than not. willing to change my I'm mind. I'm not. Even if I had an experience, I'd be like, science. Even if somebody materialised in this room right now and said, I'm a ghost, I died at X date, here I am, here's some Yeah, I'd say there proof. was probably like a carbon monoxide leak or something. That's what you'd say. That's your first thing. Mm-hmm. Carbon monoxide, always. <laughs> okay. It's just boring there, isn't it? It'd be more fun if it was ghosts. I mean, I don't think that that's going to happen, but if it did, I'd listen to it, and I'd, I'd want to rule out carbon monoxide, you know, for the sake of my health. Hmm. But I could be converted. I'm not... This isn't a... This isn't a point of principle that there are no ghosts. It's based on all the evidence I've witnessed so far. But that's just it. There is no evidence. Yeah, so... Hmm. At all. So I would be pretty incredulous if any evidence was to present itself to me, but if it was overwhelming enough... No, not for me. Not for me, ghosts. Criticism. Oh, God. Imagine it a lot. (laughs) According to investigator Benjamin Radford, most ghost hunting groups, including TAPS, make many methodological mistakes. After what... This is a quote from Benjamin Radford. After watching episodes of Ghost Hunters and other similar programmes, it quickly becomes clear to anyone with a background in science that the methods used are both illogical and unscientific. Anyone can be a ghost investigator, failing to consider alternative explanations for anomalous phenomena, considering emotions and feelings as evidence of ghostly encounters, improper and unscientific investigation methods, for example, using unproven tools and equipment, sampling errors, ineffectively using recording devices, and focusing on the history of the location and not the phenomena. Notable members of TAPS. Members of TAPS can be found worldwide. TAPS has also made honorary members of some celebrities who have participated in investigations filmed for the Ghost Hunters TV series, several of whom, such as Tapping and The Miz, appear in... The pro- Miz? Who's The Miz? The Miz! What's that? Best. He's a, he's a wrestling oh. man. He was on The Real World, that's how he started, and then he got into the wrestling biz, and now he's The Miz. And oh, now he's a ghost hunter. Well, apparently. I'm a bit, bit annoyed at that, to be honest. What are you doing, Mizzy? So, he's great. He's my favourite. The notable members are... I have to say they don't look very notable to me. Jodie They're Picoult. They're all wrestlers. Well, apart from Jodie Picoult. Who's Jodie Picoult? She is... She's like a author or a something or other. Yeah, novelist. CM Punk. Wrestler. Elijah Burke. Wrestler. The Miz. Wrestler. Amanda Tapping. I don't know, but that is something you do in a wrestling match if you're in too much pain. Colin Ferguson. No. What you were going to say, Colin Firth. Now, that would be an interesting ghost hunter. It would, wouldn't it? Meatloaf. Wrestler. That's his actual name, Meatloaf, you know? Is it? Really? His actual name. He's had his name actually changed to Meatloaf. Why not? Because it's ridiculous. So, I don't know. Do you need me to tell you why you shouldn't change your name to Meatloaf? His real name is Marvin Lee Day. Oh, yeah. Meatloaf's Keeps better. the doctor away. Kofi- Meatloaf a day. Can that be a thing? That would not keep the doctor away. <laughs> uh. This episode is going out at some point in the future. Let's predict what's going to happen between now and then. We don't know when it will be out, but Phil, who is the most surprising Game of Thrones character that's been killed off from now, from the moment we're recording to the time this episode's released? Um, well, I don't think that any... I would, wouldn't be surprised at a single Game of Thrones character being killed off. Really? I think there's a few that are untouchable, until the last few episodes at least. Yeah, no, I think that they could Daenerys, pull that. Jon Snow, Tyrion, they're all... No, they, they could all go in a season finale. Nah. Yeah, they Don't could. Think so. Oh, the old... What's his face? With the scabby hands. 
Jura, yeah. the Explorer. Jura the Explorer. <laughs> it's a friend zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's going to... He'll be dead. That's not a surprise, though, because he's got all the scabby hand. Well, that's a case of eczema. Great, and um, Socrates? <laughs> um, I reckon this is going to come out around Christmas time. That's what, that's one prediction I make. I think this is going to be a Christmas emergency. Oh, you uh, this episode? Mm. Right, okay. Yeah, so. I think it'll be something to do with... We'll have to rush out to our Christmas shopping. Maybe. Well, I'm going to be in North Korea. So that might be the emergency. So the emergency might be that you've been detained. Yeah. Yeah. And we've got to sort that out. That's probably the emergency will be. Phil? Yeah? What do you you think you're doing right now? Right now? Future Phil. Um, Um, As this episode's being released. I'm trying to rescue Chris from that sinkhole. Mm -hmm. Just just clawing Ah. out the bits of debris from the hole with my bare bleeding hands. Ah, it's nice that you went to that effort. You wouldn't have went to that much effort. Hey, I would too. Under all the debris because of a sinkhole. We've been friends for like 12 years. Yeah. That counts for something. I mean, it depends how physical this would be, to be honest. You'd have to be lifting debris. Uh, Well, it depends how big it is and like, you know, if there's a few rocks. There's loads of rocks. I'm not that strong. I'd probably, I'd call an ambulance. No, but you find... Or the fire engine. In an emergency situation, you find strength from within, don't you? Like when you hit people yeah. lifting cars off of people when they're when it's an emergency. Yeah, but that's that's mums that do that. Do you remember when we had? Yeah, to well, like that's very much how I see mine and Chris's relationship. Fine. Do you remember when we had to put that tent up? I did not find any strength from within. No, you just sat down. Hmm. And it, I didn't know what I was doing, and we had to get that help from that girl and her boyfriend. Was that her boyfriend? <laughs> All right. Well, next week. We'll be back to normal, hopefully. Uh, if we're not, we don't have another emergency episode stored, so um, I guess there'll just be nothing. But as long as all three of us are alive, we'll be back next week. Bye. Bye. Until then, Bye. goodbye. Have you been dealing with some strange things over the years there? I was kind of scared one evening. It got really wild, and primarily it's walking and making a lot of noise, and it kind of spooked me. There are also claims of a six-pound cannonball moving by itself and chunks of wood being tossed at family members. It was about a foot long, and it really made no sense where it came from. What are you guys hoping that we're able to accomplish here? Now we're raising our daughters here in this house. I simply want to know that it's a safe environment for them. I don't want them to be scared. Well, we're going to do our best, figure out what's you know going on here. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.